when I was a young man, um, I had the privilege of being able to lead Bible studies and youth groups and to um, lead Sunday school and things of that nature. And when doing so, we were uh, given, me and uh, some of my friends, youth, and, young, and uh, as a young adult, you know, we, we were either given or looked for mentorship. And I remember uh, one of those mentors uh, was a, a local uh, missionary pastor, and he took us through uh, 1 Timothy 3, which is the re- uh, list of the requirements of an elder. And he said, you know, as a, as a Bible study leader, think about how that, uh, how, like how to be like a mini elder or how to apply that to yourself. I mean, if you look at that scripture, I won't turn there right now, but it starts with, you know, being above reproach. And so what Peter's doing is telling elders that they, they need to model that. And I'm encouraging you all, even though you may not be an elder, to put that criteria against yourself. And how can we be above reproach and, and a good witness? You know, throughout this book, there's a lot of things that kind of keep coming around. Being a good, good witness and pointing to Jesus is one of those main themes. Uh, being submissive for the purpose of representing Jesus Christ to the world. He's coming up, and it's, it's no different here. Peter says that he's a witness of what Jesus went through. So he's an eyewitness writing to churches directly saying, I saw Jesus' ministry, his death on the cross, the suffering that he went through, his resurrection, and his ascension. And so he shares that. And he also says that he's a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. See, Peter didn't write the book of Revelation. John did, his best friend, right? But he's looking forward as much as John is to the book of Revelation, isn't he? He's looking forward to the revealing of Jesus Christ. And that kind of sets the the first bracket to this message. He's looking for the revealing of Jesus Christ. At the end of the passage, it talks about Jesus coming again. So we're sitting right there within the revealing and his coming again, right there. That's the the focus on Jesus. Peter's looking forward to that. He's encouraging us to keep our eyes on Christ's return. You know, the gospel message starts with, well, it starts with God created everything and and he rules everything and he's holy. And then goes on to say, you're a filthy sinner. You've sinned against a holy God and you deserve, just for one sin, breaking a one commandment, like eating a fruit you shouldn't eat, like putting an idol in your life or lying or stealing, you deserve hell. That's a consequence of sinning against the holy God. Not many people want to talk about that too much, but that's the truth. Now, that's a significant part of the gospel. The next part of the gospel is, since you can't do it yourself, you can't get, work your way to heaven, Jesus came, sinless, and took our place. He's our, our redeemer. He's like a coupon, having paid for our sins. He paid for them all in his death. And he conquered death. The song said, 
uh, conquering death by death. That's what he did, right? He conquered death by dying on the cross and by rising again because death can't hold him and never will. And not only that, he ascended into heaven and without this next part, there's really not much meaning to the gospel. And the next part is, he's preparing a place for us so that he can come and get us and bring us home. Anyone who's died before in Christ rises up first, and then we which are alive and remain get to go up with him. You can't take that away from the gospel. That is, that is the culmination of it all, that we get to be with our Lord. He's saved us for that reason, right? So we can bring glory to his name forever. So we look forward to that. And we have joy in the midst of whatever's going on right now because of that. You know, how many Christians have gone before us that have been imprisoned in, in communist regimes and they've been dismembered or beaten and even in the midst of that suffering said, praise the Lord. And they called upon the name of the Lord. Uh, I mentioned it last week. Stephen is being stoned. Stones lobbed at him and he's looking up into heaven for Christ's return. That's what he's looking for. He sees heaven, just like John did. He sees heaven's throne. So, as difficult as it gets now, always remember to look forward to the revealing and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter tells these elders to feed the flock. If you remember, Peter's a fisherman, right? He's out fishing one day, and Jesus Wants to go, they come in after a whole night of fishing. Can I get on the boat? Yeah, all right. They go out on the boat. Hey, why don't you uh, throw your nets on the right side? Uh-huh. Okay. They do it. They bring a boatload of fish, and they had to drag it to the shore. It's a lot of fish. After Jesus rose again, we do it again. I mean, God speaks once, yea, twice. He, God establishes his word by two or by three witnesses, doesn't he? So here you go at the end of John, John 21. Peter's back in the boat again. Why is he back in the boat? I don't know why he's back in the boat, but he's back in the boat. And Jesus is on the shore and calls out to him, cast your nets on the right side. Hey, what's the right side of your Bible, by the way? It's your New Testament, isn't it? Is that, small, that strong right hand in your Bible? Has the power to save, by the way. Cast your nets on the right side. Right? So, they cast the nets on the right side, they pull up 153 fish, drag it ashore. What's really neat is, Jesus has got a fire going, he's already cooking fish. He didn't need their fish. <laughs> he's, he's got food for them. And, and he's feeding Peter, and he says to Peter, who's naked and ashamed before him, he threw off his cloak and swam to him, he says, feed my sheep. Actually, he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, you know, I love you, Lord. He says, then feed my sheep, feed my lambs. That happens three times, and each time it gets more intense. Do you remember when Peter denied Jesus? It got more intense to the point where he's swearing. Well, <laughs> Jesus is getting more intense. Do you love me? 
Peter's response is, you know I love you. Okay, he's told to feed his sheep right here. Peter's telling these elders, feed the flock of God. What do you think is on Peter's mind when he's saying that? He's only thinking about that experience, isn't he? That it's his responsibility to pass the baton on to feed the flock. So we need to keep feeding the flock, right? What, what do we feed them with? Well, the Word of God, right? It's the bread of life. And so we feed the bread of life to each other. And we go out and feed others. Let's get some more because the time is short. The elder's role is more than that. It's one of oversight. You think about a manager running things and making sure things are running well. There's a responsibility. It's also a protection built into that, isn't there? You know, the watchman stands at the gate looking for the enemy, making sure the enemy isn't coming. And when he does, he sounds an alarm. Paul, or Peter says that it shouldn't be done by constraint. That anyone in leadership in your church should do it willingly with a glad heart. Now, this is by providence, I would say, but we're talking about this right now, and they're taking nominations right now for leadership in the church. And if your name has been suggested, don't do it by constraint. Do it willingly. Do it because you have a heart to serve the Lord. Do it because you want to feed the flock. Not for filthy lucre. You look at TV evangelism, cults, so much. What's it for? <laughs> Making money, right? Guy's name's Crestrow Dollar out there trying to get people to give money. <laughs> His last name's Dollar is kind of a tell, isn't it? <laughs> if you're an evangelist and your name's a dollar or a price, you probably aren't on the right track. <laughs> so, yeah, these guys are out there and they're always preaching about sowing seed money. And God will bless you if you sow the seed. You know, I got to do it with a little bit of accent there. Sow in the seeds and you will reap some rewards. Yeah. Well, who's our reward? Who's our reward? Jesus is our reward, right? And if you're looking for earthly rewards, your eyes are on things below. And where's your heart? Where your treasure is. That's what Jesus said. Set your eyes on things above, not on things of the earth. Keep your, eye, keep your focus heavenward. Be of ready mind. You know, just before this, in the, past, in the last chapter, it said be sober minded or be sober. You're not letting things of this world distract you. You're not letting alcohol inebriate you, drugs. You're not letting emotions, false doctrines, 
take your mind off of the scriptures and your focus off of heaven. Be ready, mind. Neither be as sorry. It says neither be at be sorry. Neither as being lords over God's heritage. Don't be lofty minded. Don't be thinking about your prowess or now that I'm a leader, elder, or Christian, or smarter Christian, right? Or more experience. I have this different experience that you don't have. We have churches that do that. It's all about experience. And if you didn't have this experience, you ain't quite as Christian as I am. Hmm? That's not what it's about. It's all about pointing to Jesus. Because we, our righteousness is as filthy rags. That's all it amounts to. His righteousness is everything. And in faith and trust in him, then we are in his righteousness. But don't step out of that. Stay in his righteousness for his glory's sake. Told to be in samples to the flock. In samples is an interesting word. It's an old English word. It's similar to example, but it's not quite the same. In sample is inward. Example is outward. And you are supposed to be good examples to the world, but we're supposed to be in samples to the flock. You know, it's N, E N. In, E-X is out. That's Latin prefix. We are supposed to be in samples to each other, encouraging one another, sharpening each other. And what are we supposed to be examples of? Our Lord, Jesus. Modeling him, which goes back to being above reproach. Goes back to being submissive to God one another, serving one another with joy. Don't forget the joy. And when our chief shepherd shall appear, looking for Jesus' return, being the focus, always being the focus. Jesus is our focus. And it didn't say if, it said when. Peter said when he shall appear. Are we looking forward to that? Has it taken a while? Well, Peter clears that up in the next book and says that he's not slack as men call slackness. It's only been a couple days for him, right? Days, a thousand years. A thousand years as a day. It's only been a couple days since he went up into heaven. So it's not long. And he will return. Will he catch us on, uh, not watching? Will he catch us unawares? He's coming like a thief. So we, we want to be watching as a homeowner is diligent and paying attention for his family's sake. So we should be watching, not only for an enemy that might come, but for Jesus' return. So keep your eyes focused out there, right? Focus on Jesus. Watch for his return. It's soon. It's imminent. He's coming. 
And the more we feel these birth pains, the beginning of sorrows, the more our eyes should be focused on Him. Right? It says, he, Peter said, Ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. There's a promise and a hope for eternity. Crown of glory. Is there a picture of that in our Bibles? Of that crown of glory? Well, it's something similar. Paul said in Ephesians 6, he talked about wearing the helmet of salvation. It's there to protect you. It's also your salvation. And it's eternal. It's eternal. I think it's so interesting, the connections between that armor and so many other things. In the email I sent you, I, I, I was listening to a lady over here last week talk about bits of the armor and how it related to the, to the message last week. And then I was thinking about that. It's going, oh, she missed talking about the shoes, which are the gospel, which is what we are founded on, isn't it? We stand on the gospel. We're founded, we're set, we're established by two witnesses here at the gospel, right? Two, three witnesses, two feet. And it helps us to be able to not only stand, but also to go forward and spread the gospel, to go out, like we were told in the Great Commission, go ye therefore in the world, making disciples of all nations. Can't do that without the gospel. Crown of glory is your salvation. Sometimes there are teachers who teach this idea that if you do more in the church, if you're a betterer Christian, you get a betterer reward in heaven. Do you remember what Jesus said about that? He said he was just a certain man who had a, I think it was vineyard, Matthew 20, and he had a get workers in there. So he goes out and hires some workers. And there's not enough coming in. So he goes out and hires more. He hires more. All the way up to the 11th hour, he hires more. He agreed upon a wage. And then he goes to pay them. He says to his servants, go ahead and pay them from the one who was hired the latest to the one who was hired the soonest. Which goes with that whole, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Thing he also said, he pays this first, or the last guys that were there for an hour, the same wage he paid to the first ones. Well, they complain. Well, I thought I was going to get something extra special here. No, we agreed upon that wage, the wage of salvation. And even those who come in at the 11th hour get the same benefit, salvation. And did we deserve any of it? No. Because it comes from Christ. It's because of the work he did. So we didn't deserve it anyway. Praise God that we have salvation that it's eternal, and that he's coming again to collect us to be with him, to worship him forever. So, this passage is kind of really focusing on being good witnesses for the return of Jesus Christ, being good leaders, and the whole focus is towards Jesus. So I encourage you, Read 1 Peter 3, read Titus 3, and look at those things and say, how can I live above reproach? And how can I um, be good stewards and of the things that God's given me and how that role applies to me and my family and those who I'm 
um, in leadership over and, and in my church? And how do I set a good witness to point to the return of Jesus Christ? And if we are going to think about the return of Jesus Christ, if that becomes a thought in your mind every day, then, and you're heaven-focused, then what fruit do you think you'll bear? Because you start to care less about the things of this world the more you think about the things of heaven. Which means that your inhibitions to preach the gospel to the lost is going to go down. And that's what we ought to be doing. All the disciples were given the commission to go out. Right? It's not just somebody who said, I haven't decided what I'm going to do with my life. Uh, you know, I'm 18 years old. I think I'm going to go and be an evangelist. I'm going to go to Bible college and then go be evangelist. That's not who was told. <laughs> we were all told. The disciples were all told. It's all of our responsibility to go out and share the gospel, not some. It's all of our responsibility. It's all of our commission. I'd like to leave you with another passage. Philippians 4, 4 to 8. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Again, two witnesses. Have joy and rejoice. Praise your Lord. Verse 5, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Six, be careful for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Seven, and the peace of God, it's a promise, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse eight, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those are heaven's things. Think on those things. Heavenly Father, help us to think about those things of heaven, to set our mind on things above to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, keep our focus on Jesus. Help our faith to grow, to trust in you, and to rejoice despite challenges, trials, tribulation, which are bound to come. We trust you. Think of the man whose son was a lunatic. He said, I have faith, Lord. Give me more faith. I believe. Help my unbelief is what he said. Help our unbelief, Lord. Anywhere where we have unbelief, help us. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.